So uh, we're wrapping up our uh, Christmas carols series, and it's appropriate for us to wrap up with joy to the world. Uh, and maybe some would say, okay, I, I guess I could see that. But wait, as we go through, you'll understand more why this works really well as a, as a final uh, topic for us to look at. And I've definitely enjoyed uh, going through and looking at these different hymns. Um, you know, they're so rich. They're so full of uh, theology. Uh, it, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, as we look at the hymns, uh, there's so many that came from 18th century England and we're still singing them today, you know? So you talk about, uh, you know, songs that have staying power, you know? And there's, like I said, a richness and anointing. And so we want to talk about joy to the world today. Uh, it's going to be a little more of a devotional style message. So, um, you, you know, I'm not happy about it, but I didn't give you fill-ins today. <laughs> so, uh, but, but don't worry, they'll be back. Uh, th but I did give you just a little bit to follow along with my train of thought as we go through the message here this morning. So that's in your bulletin if you want to jot down. You know, for me, uh, a lot of times I like to, as, as the Lord prompts a thought, just jot down whatever that thought is, and then I can go back to it, reflect on it. Um, but so, so as we look at joy to the world, uh, it's, again, from this era that I mentioned, the uh, 18th century uh, England, and it was Isaac Watts who wrote this, this Christmas carol, this hymn, and did you you know, it originally wasn't uh, meant to be a Christmas carol at all. By the way, Isaac Watts, he's somebody who was really prolific in writing hymns in his day. Uh, some that enjoy the hymns, some of these might be familiar to you. I sing the mighty power of God. Someone might just say, you know, oh, that's a good one. Uh, th this is one of my all-time favorite worship songs, just hands down. When I survey the wondrous cross. Just such a, a beautiful hymn. Another one, At the Cross. And then we're marching to Zion. Uh, and there's many others that we could name. Uh, but Joy to the World was written in 1719. And like I said, it wasn't originally written as a, as a Christmas song. In fact, it was uh, put together in a book. And hey, if you know anything in history about books that came out in the 17 and 1800s, there is no such thing as like a one-word title for the book. It's usually like a sentence or a paragraph, you know? So here's the book. The Psalms of David intimated in the language of the New Testament. How's that for a title, huh? But that was uh, the title of the book where uh, Joy to the World uh, was released and published. And what, what Isaac Watts, his goal was uh, to give for the time a modern paraphrase New Testament perspective on Psalm 98. Now, when we look at Psalm 98, it's not really uh, a prophetic picture specifically of the first coming of Christ that we're celebrating here at Christmas, but it's really uh, of the second coming of Christ. You know, and, you know, through, through history, right, and through the recording of the scriptures, when the prophets would get a word from God on the life and ministry and a career of Messiah, there was not this distinguishing, there was not an awareness that there was going to be a first coming and a second coming. You know, so there would be things uh, prophesied that God would reveal about the Messiah being the suffering servant. And that's Jesus coming uh, the first time, coming to earth to die, uh, to bear our sins, to bear the sins of the world and to rise from the dead. 
And then there's other prophecies that talk about him being the everlasting king and reigning over all. And of course, that's Jesus coming the second time. We say oftentimes, first time he came as the lamb, second time he's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, so it was, you know, uh, just kind of all mingled together. That's why when Jesus was being turned over to be crucified, you know, there was uh, such a pushback against that because uh, these, you know, the disciples and, and, and the people that were following at the time, they knew, wait a minute, no, Messiah becomes king. You know, they didn't realize that, no, he had, he had to first come to die uh, and then he would be coming back, you know, ruling and reigning on the earth. So, uh, so as we look at Psalm 98, it speaks of the second coming, but at the same time, there is so much that we celebrate and that we see that happens in his first coming, uh, it, it unfolds into his second coming. So let's take a look at Psalm 98. It's nine verses. It says, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So just to pause there for a minute. So when we look at this in Psalm 98, you know, so Jesus comes to earth and, uh, you know, I, I love in the uh, worship this morning, you know, that 400 years of darkness broken by a baby's cry. There was 400 years between the last Old Testament utterance of the coming of Messiah until Jesus comes to earth. 400 years, you know, this period of time, you know, of, of them waiting for him to come. And he, he uh, enters earth as a baby, you know, and then does the work, the work of all time. It's the centerpiece for him to die on the cross and rise from the dead. And in that work, I mean, Jesus said it, it is finished. But then out of that work, right, we are to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so that unfolding of salvation and restoration and of his righteousness just continues until we see the day where he splits the heavens and he comes back again. Amen. So, it, you know, in, in this verse here, the end of verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. What, a, what an awesome, exciting statement. In verse 4, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. So notice that it told us to shout to the Lord, and it told us to shout before the Lord, and uh, it's to shout for joy. It's to shout with joy. And then it goes on, let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy, and let them sing before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. That right there, that part right there, that's him coming the second time as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But we see a, such a beautiful picture of this declaration, even for creation to praise God. Because we know the word tells us, right, that in, in the fall, in the garden, 
you know, that all of creation, not just humanity, all of creation fell under the curse. You know, that's why it says in one of the gospels, don't just go and preach the gospel and make disciples of people. It says, go preach the gospel to all creation. Let all of creation know the Redeemer has come. As far as the curse is found, redemption has come. Come on, can you say amen? So here's this beautiful psalm, and now let me just read it, uh, re read the lyrics, and you'll see some of the parallels here on what he was trying to get across. So again, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. You know, when he, when, when he came the first time, you know, Scripture tells us he came to his own and his own received him not. But there'll be coming a day where the whole earth will receive him as he comes. In person as King of kings and Lord of lords. Let every heart prepare him room. That is the good news that we are to share with the world all around us. And heaven and nature sing. Uh, verse 2, joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. So there's this picture of ongoing joy. Now I want you to know, part of the goal where, where we're driving here this morning with the message, I, I want to zero in on joy. You know, and, and what is joy and, you know, with the, the circumstances in our world around us and, and maybe even here today in personal circumstances, uh, you know, less than ideal, painful, difficult, can we be people of joy? The answer is yes. And I, I want to talk a little bit, practically speaking, how can we live in a place of, of experiencing and being a conduit of the Lord's joy? Amen. So uh, ver uh, verse 3 of the hymn says, No more let sins in sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. I love that. His blessings are going to flow, how far? To every place that needs it. Amen. And then in verse 4, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. So again, let me take a step back here on, on what this psalm and what this hymn is, is speaking to us. Because, you, you know, what we're supposed to do, what God is encouraging us is, hey, as you get this context, shout with joy. Let joy pour out of who you are to the Lord and before the Lord. And so, you know, the fancy Bible study word is dispensations. And the, and the dispensations are different periods of time that are under certain characteristics. So, you know, the, the very first dispensation we could say is, is the one of our uh, humanity's innocence before the fall in the garden. You know, and, and there, there was no death, there was no sickness, there was no curse, there was none of that. And then, you know, we have this, this dispensation uh, of the fall. And then there's others, you know, I won't un un unfold the whole thing here, but then there's other dispensations. We get to the dispensation of the law. And under the dispensation of the law, God says, all right, I am calling out a people who are going to show the world what I look like. They're going to show the world the difference between darkness and light, what's moral and immoral, but they're also going to show the world 
that we can't be good by our own works. See, that was the job of the law. You know, we're, the, the, the command was, now you keep this law. But we, we, as human beings, humans lived as an illustrated message. We can't, by ourselves, keep the law. And then, with the cry of a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, a new <clears throat> dispensation begins to unfold, the age of grace. And thank God for it. That's the, that's the age that you and I live in. That's why our, our main mandate is go tell the whole world that there is hope, that there is salvation, that our sins can be forgiven. And, and then the next dispensation to come is going to be the one where he comes and rules. You know, right now, Jesus bodily, right, we know, is at the right hand of the Father. There's going to be a time where he steps away from that throne. Tells us in the word he'll be riding a, a white horse. And he'll, be, he'll leave heaven and come down to earth and literally, bodily, occupy in Jerusalem. A new dispensation, something we've never experienced before, something the world has never experienced before. And so when we look at this psalm, man, it really gives us a, a mini version of sort of the Bible cover to cover, but specifically what to have joy about, you know. So uh, let's tie this in as well. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes uh, after the drama on, on Wednesday and Friday. I want to say swaddling clothes, you know, because it's just so much more defined for us, right? Lying in a manger. All right, so, so what do we see in the psalm? We see joy. Good news, we see God's salvation and we see joy. Then in, in the, the coming to earth of Jesus at Christmas time, we see uh, the, this uh, good news with tidings of great joy for all people. So let, let's lean in now a little bit. How are we doing? Everybody tracking so far? Amen? All right. Let's talk about joy. First of all, what is joy? Now, if we look at the New Webster's Dictionary, It'll say that joy is pleasure caused by the acquisition or expectation of good or delight. Um, uh, joy uh, is, is the cause of happiness. Uh, the late Oswald Chambers, maybe you've heard of him. He has a really famous devotional called My Upmost for His Highest. Uh, he had said, joy means the perfect fulfillment of that for which I was created and reborn. So good, right? And he goes on, though, he says something else here. Joy means the perfect fulfillment of that for which I was created and reborn, not the successful doing of a thing. Ouch. I like doing things. I like chalking success up to doing things. I've told you before so much so that if I do a thing and it wasn't on the list, I'll put it on the list so I could check it off as a thing I've done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But boy, I, I, got, I got to keep it straight. I got to keep the big picture, the big picture. Amen? You know, what, what, is, what is, see, that'll bring me some happiness. But when I stand before him, it should, should we be here and not go home to glory before the Lord returns? I'm not going to be thinking about my checked off to-do list. Amen. So, so what is joy, biblically speaking? Um, th this is a great picture. This is a quote from a, a, a pastor in, in a sermon. He says, joy is tuning in to what God is doing around you. 
seeing the world through his eyes, picking up on his delight in his children. Anyone can find happiness for a while. Amen. Can you take a message, please? <laughs> happiness de- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to point you out, but I am thoroughly distracted. Amen. Okay, good. All right. Let me take that from the top there. Uh, no worries. Grace on you. I'm not trying to. You're good. You're so good. I'm just a little overtired this week. All right. Joy is tuning into what God is doing around you, seeing the world through his eyes, picking up on his delight in us as his children. Anyone can find happiness for a while. Happiness depends on what is happening to you. Joy is different. Joy goes deeper. Joy is when your whole being sings because you have caught a glimpse of God at work. Man, the world looks dark, but that's not the story. In, in the midst of all of this, in amidst the cloud and the storm, God is above all of that and God is working. We might see the curse. We might see the, the, the fruit of that, which is death. We might see the rumblings and all of these things. But the work of Jesus, his truth, his work, his salvation is marching on to the ends of the earth. You know, it's incredible. I'll just give you, for instance, you know, I, I subscribe to a, a publication from Voice of the Martyrs because I want to stay in touch with what our brothers and sisters around the world are enduring to say, I belong to Christ. And, you know, with this persecution that's going on, one thing, yeah, this is a perfect illustration. You could see the persecution. My heart breaks with the stories. There's often times where I'm just, just kind of quietly calling out, oh, God, God, touch, touch them, move, work. And in this, as it's going on, God's kingdom is advancing. The devil is taking his best shot, and it's always going to fall short. That's the joy. That's the hope we look at at Christmas time when we see the darkness, when we see the circumstance that wants to make us um, j just feel crushed underneath it or try to make us feel hopeless. At Christmas time, we remember, no, because Jesus came, it really is going to be all right. And, and, and we'll talk in just a minute, but how do I tap into that? How can I be a person amidst the circumstances that can carry his joy? So, so we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, just one last part of that, that quote I was reading here, catching a glimpse of God at work. I love, I love what he says, joy can creep up on you and surprise you in unexpected places. You know, I wonder if that was Paul and Silas chained up in a prison. And they begin to praise and worship God. And all of a sudden, God shows up and brings them deliverance so they can go on to the next thing that God has for them. Uh, and brings salvation, you, you know, amazing. So, so this is joy, right? That's a picture of joy. So what is the joy of Christmas? Well, it's this picture of knowing this, this reality that the world is under sin and that the world is in darkness, the reality that redemption has come. That is the joy of Christmas. And, and you know, there, there's a terminology. You know, when, when I think of, okay, we as Christians, how do we do Christmas right? You know, we're, we're in a culture that, that gives us 
I think Pastor Nate said it in the first service. I don't know what, what he, he, if he said it in the, in the second service here just a few minutes ago. He said, but, you know, our culture is trying to tell us that, like, we got to make our Christmas like a Hallmark movie. You know, it's just got to be this, you know, the stage is set perfect and all this. And it's almost like there's all these trappings and all these hoops that, you know, we get to Christmas season and it's like, on your marks, get set and go move. You know, Christmas, go make Christmas happen. Go make Christmas. You know, and, and doing Christmas right is instead letting ourselves step back. And I, I was about to make a statement before. I said that there's a statement that I don't like, and it's because it's so often true. And the statement is familiarity breeds contempt. I, I, I like this a little better. I think this is a little more accurate. Familiarity can breed contempt if we let it. You know, but letting us know as human beings that, oh, we don't want to become so familiar that we lose sight of, of this tremendous value that is right before me. So, so hear me now. We're, we're talking here at Christmas time. What kind of joy do we have at Christmas? You, you know, we got to work against the tide a little bit because we have to set our expectations on, you know, joyful Christmas is not, you know, did the, did the ham come out right? It, it, it's not, you know, did this relative behave themselves and that kind of a thing. The joy of Christmas ultimately is the picture of we have salvation. There is an eternity. This life is not where it ends. We are just pilgrims walking on through. And so when we're on the mountaintop and, and you know, we are to seize this life and we are to steward this life and we are to enjoy and cultivate every gift of blessing, we ought to be in a tangible way um, people that are fragrant to the world around us. Can you say amen? But you know, part of the paradox in that is what's going to make us fragrant to the world is as we don't let hold of what is the joy of Christmas. It's that awe and that wonder that God himself allowed himself to become a baby and then live this perfect life and then die on a cross so that all of us could be forgiven of our sin. And keeping that wonder and that joy, because that's part of the perspective of we're just passing on through. We're here, let's be present, let's, let's steward this life, let, let's enjoy. God wants us to enjoy every good and perfect gift comes down from above. Amen to all of that. But we certainly want to live light, uh, life in light of that big picture. Can you say Amen. Hey, one other thought about what kind of joy is this at Christmas time? You know, it's a pure and holy joy because it comes from the Lord. You know, and I got to thinking about that a little bit, and I'm like, you know, people can derive joy in like demented ways. You know, it's unfortunate. You know, and 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 you know, people can get joy out of uh, sticking it to somebody else. You know, people can derive joy out of somebody else's hardship. But you know, the joy that comes at Christmas time. It's one that comes from purity and from holiness because it comes from, from love himself. Amen. 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 All right. So let me move on then. So to, to whom is this joy given? Everybody. There is no person that's excluded from this joy. And we already talked about it a little bit in our series, but isn't that the beautiful picture of, you know, the God of the universe shows up in a manger, not in a palace. And his guests are 
shepherds. You know, we show the wise men, the wise men got there after. It was the shepherds that were right away. And you know, they were the kind of like the lowly of the society. God just reminding Jesus is for everybody. There is no hierarchy before God. God loves every person, wants them saved. For all the people, for everyone, unto us is born. And these are tidings of great joy. Amen. And then when we get back to why, you know, I had mentioned earlier this dispensation of the law, this kind of era, season of the law, you, you know, the, the, the Jewish people were living under this picture of we have these uh, things that we're aiming at, these rules, these precepts, these commands that we're looking to follow, and it's evident that we can only follow them imperfectly. Galatians 3, 24 and 25 says, Before the coming of this faith, that is faith in Christ, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. So after Jesus comes and lives on earth and dies on the cross and rises from the dead, we don't receive that gift by doing good things. We don't receive that gift by trying to live well. We receive that gift. It comes to us by grace and we receive it by faith. You know, uh, over and over again, you know, it, we, we can go round and round. Is it faith? Is it works? Because to say it's by faith doesn't mean we shouldn't live right. But we can't say that living right is what saves us. Amen? Amen. We believe. We couldn't earn it ourselves. See, this is part of the joy. Lord, have you ever, have you ever noticed how human you are? I mean, I don't have to go back very far. Sometime today, this morning, you know, it's not even noontime yet. And just thinking to myself, God, I'm so glad you're God. <laughs> I'm so glad you're my God, and I'm so glad you love me. And thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And then what comes out of that? Joy. Joy. Peace. Oh, Lord, I'm in your hands. And then we go back at it after him, walking with him, walking, living with him, living for him. And, and, and part of this joy, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. You know, church, death is not something that we want to stare at for very long. But every time that we are confronted, may we recognize all of God's heart is that we're delivered from that. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? A joy unspeakable. You know, to the point where it's called an enemy. It's the last enemy. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And hey, just following through, and so how long does this last? Well, since God is eternal, it lasts for all of eternity. There is no end. There was a beginning of a dispensation in time, but as far as how long do we experience this salvation that has come because of Jesus, it is for all of eternity. In Psalm 23, 6, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isaiah 35, 10, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing, everlasting joy with, I'm sorry, everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. 
Hallelujah. A joy that's not based on the experience of life we have around us when those experiences get rough and tough. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling um, in preparation for today as, as, as we're getting closer to service time, I felt the Lord zeroing in on hope and how important it is for us as believers to not let temporal dictate whether or not we're people of joy. Because again, there's a bigger picture. You know, and the bigger picture is he is here, he is near, and it's going to be okay. All right, so I'm coming in for a landing here. Now, I just want to, I want to wrap up what I said earlier. I wanted to look just kind of practical on, so how do we tap into this joy? How do we uh, walk in, in, in a place of hope? You know, um, in our, our Christmas drama, I so loved that we, we took a fresh look at this idea. Let's live redemptively in the world that's all around us. And let's let it point us to Christ. You know, let's see him in the world around us. That's, that's, that's starting to put a finger on uh, we're, what we're looking at here is how do I live as a person of joy? Because, you, you know, all over scripture, right, it says there's going to be the wheat and the tares. There's going to be darkness and there's going to be light. So what do we do? We, we don't pretend the darkness is not there, but we realize the light is the bigger story. And the light has the final say. So, hey, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon has been called the Prince of Preachers. Let me share a quote from him that will tap in for us a little bit into, so how can we live as people of joy, of, of this joy to the world that we're called to have joy to him and before him? So Charles Spurgeon, he says this, it is joy to all nations that Christ is born, the Prince of Peace, the King who rules in righteousness. Beloved, the greatest joy is to those who know Christ as Savior. Listen, the further you submit yourself to Christ the Lord, the more completely you know him, the fuller will your happiness become. Amen. Everybody catch that? Amen. He goes on and he says, surface joy is to those who live where the Savior is preached. But the greatest depths the great fathomless deeps of solemn joy, which glisten and sparkle with delight, are for such as know the Savior, obey the anointed one, and have communion with the Lord himself. So, hey, I would say believers who are distanced from the Lord are quite grumpy. And not all that fun to be around, right? And, and, and oh, shame, because what a horrible testimony that is. What's the answer? What's the remedy? It's draw close to him. It's to cry out to say, Lord, draw me close to you. And, and what Charles Spurgeon catches here and captures here is it starts when we say yes to the Lord. Be my savior. Come take occupancy in my heart. Be on the throne of my life. 
and then to live in a way. And what he's saying is, now, now, isn't it so interesting what he said? He didn't say, and those whom the Lord blesses in this physical realm more, they will be the most joyous. Notice that it didn't say that. Although, let's keep in mind, poverty is not from God. God wants to bless his people. But the joy doesn't come from what is or isn't happening in our lives. The joy comes from how close we choose to live in fellowship with him. Come on, can you say amen? Do you just feel God's spirit pulling you close right now? You know, here at Christmas time, this, this, is, this is the essence of what we want to be celebrating at Christmas time because Jesus came to earth. Let, let, let's, let's simplify it as much as we can. It, it's not even because Jesus came to earth, I get to go to heaven. It's not even because Jesus came to earth, my sins are forgiven. It's very important. It's because Jesus came to earth, I can know God. Amen. I can be made right which means my sins have been forgiven. My debt has been paid. I, I can wear a robe of righteousness that's not mine, but it was purchased by Jesus so that I can come boldly to his throne to receive grace in those times that I have need. Amen? So there's a call from him to say, draw close. Live closer to me. Now, one final thought here, and it has to do with this in a very practical way. And, and my heart is feeling tender for uh, those, because again, our, our culture markets it where if you don't have the hallmark thing, you can almost feel worse. And you want to know what? At Christmas, listen, if, if life has been difficult, Christmas is supposed to be where you feel the most encouraged. So, so let's not let these external things warp what the picture is supposed to look like. Again, let's take everything and turn it back toward what is the message at Christmas. So if there's any, any that are feeling, man, it's like the storm clouds are over my life. I just felt like the Lord saying um, in worship, in drawing close to him. Hey, let me just say, those of you that are filled with the Spirit... For some, your job right now at Christmas is to go to war in worship. David, it says that when David had crushing circumstances going on in his life, it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. And we, we just got done with our Holy Spirit series and we talked about the value of speaking in our heavenly prayer language, right? Those are saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and there's scripture that tells us that we build ourselves up. Holy Spirit, we, we are built up in our most holy faith. Let me just encourage you today, if you're feeling the press uh, of life, if you're feeling low, uh, if you're lonely, if, if circumstances are not what they should be, there is an invitation to draw close to the Lord. And as we worship before him, as we sing our praise to him, it punches holes in those clouds. 
You know, just this last weekend, right, we got another one of those torrential downpour uh, storms that came through. And, and on Monday, I was uh, driving and I was following the weatherman. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I was actually trying to listen to the weatherman. But he was saying the storm was ending any minute there, you know. So I, I, I took his word for it. And driving down the road, and I walked out of my house, and the wind is howling and the rain is pounding against my face. And, you know, I get in my car and I feel the wind jostling and the road is flooded. And I'm like, this is not a great time to be on the road. But, you know, as, as I'm going down, it looked a little lighter. And then as I drove forward a little more, now it wasn't raining. 